did you notice this in the intro? Marvel Enterprise, not entertainment. Yeah, because they, they had their hand in a bunch of different stuff. It was comics and uh, video games and film, but they, they weren't... Stocks and bonds. Stocks and bonds, really. Yeah. Uh, number two pencils, yeah. they really gave to Kongaroga <laughs> uh, a run for their money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to go back! everyone welcome back to the flashback flicks retro movie podcast i'm ricky i'm grayson and we are right in the middle of sequelary it's a thing we like to do on the show during the second month of the year aka the sequel of the year and we like to review a bunch of movie sequels that's true so last week uh what we do last week ricky we We did dark uh, man 2 dark man 2 that's right wow (laughs) You tried to wipe it from your memory. You tried really so did. hard. I like eternal sunshined myself <laughs> with that. That was, I could not remember. Wow. But, you know, I feel like we're going more mainstream now. We're bringing you it sure are. into the zeitgeist with X2. And it's appropriate because February was one of the many possible release dates for Dark Phoenix, yeah. uh, which has now been punted to June. Um, so in another timeline, we would have been just solidly locked into the uh, the metadata tagging for yeah. this episode. Yeah, and now we're too early. Too, too early. Yeah, but, you know, maybe we'll have a second chance to review uh, some Dark Phoenix content when we get there. Ooh. Just like Dark Phoenix, which will be its second take at what happened in this movie. Very good, Grayson. Way to put a bow on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, my guess is that we're just going to have to suck it up and do Last Stand in June. So, the moral of the story is appreciate sequelary uh, for what it is because that means you get X2 now and, you know, you don't have to worry until June about Last Stand. Now, this is something that I my mind was blown about. So the actual title of this movie is X2. Like, that was it. They yeah. were so bold and saying, yeah, people are going to know this is the X-Men movie, okay? They're just going to walk up to the movie theaters, see the marquee, and it says X2, and they're going to be like, yep, that's definitely the one with Hugh Jackman in it without mm-hmm. any other uh, information. It then later became uh, the colon title X2 colon X-Men United, not to be confused uh, by the movie Triple X2, colon, yeah. State of the Union. Which... And not to be confused with X, colon, is gonna give it to, colon, yeah. The hit song by DMX, later yes. popularized by Deadpool. Just... Oh, is that why they use that song? <laughs> Man, that movie's got layers. Uh, so this movie was loosely based off of the X-Men graphic novel God Loves, Man Kills, released in 1982 um, as an influence of the script. And in the movie, like the novel, um, you know, William Stryker builds a replica of Cerebro and kidnaps Professor X so he can kill all the mutants. And then the X-Men are forced to ally themselves with Magneto to stop him. So that's kind of where the similarities like begin and end. And of course, they took a lot of liberties on their own and there's there's a uh a wolverine origin story in there too someone's like yeah let's give kind of like a wolverine origin story like just tell his whole weapon x story and someone's like shut up shut up shut up shut up (laughs) we have plans okay guess i'll just light this script on fire (laughs) i remember my 
reference to X-Men as a kid, like I probably said, the first time I reviewed X-Men uh, was with the X-Men anime TV show with the epic theme song that, you know, can only be rivaled by the DuckTales theme song and its epicness and catchiness. Uh, but I, I remember distinctly watching this movie and being like, raises nerd glasses. This isn't like the comics. <laughs> and that's when I became um that guy uh saying that mm. the book was better than the movie and i didn't realize i was that person because i was like i don't read book books but comic books I'm like well actually that's lady deathstrike she actually has a history with logan why aren't they addressing this i'm angry uh it was released to just a delightful joy of everyone just saying shut up and give me my money the budget was about 110 million and grossed over 400 million worldwide also earning 107 million dollars in the first five days of a dvd release yeah this seemed like a, a pretty sure thing for fox when they released it too. Yeah. That, i'm sure when they came across to be like all right X-Men did really well. We want to do a second one. And then the script is enough of what the core X-Men is about. That's what I was impressed about, where this movie really is the culmination of so many different X-Men lines mm -hmm. that would be explored in the future, yeah. while still feeling like a follow-up to the first movie. So I'm sure when they went through it, they just cracked their adamantium knuckles and were like, <laughs> let's make some money. Yeah. Um, it, it's pretty impressive how we're able to do that. Cause watching it back, you, you I forgot that this is where we met Stryker really. Yes. And it's like, Oh, by the end of the, by the end of these going to be 10, 12 movies or whatever, it's like, I'm sick of hearing about Stryker, but it was refreshing to go back and be like, Oh, this, this was like the main conflict there. Got it. Okay. Um, and then like all of the Logan origin stuff mm -hmm. and, it's all kind of threaded through there, and I feel like this movie and Days of Future Past really are these, like, the tent poles of their trilogy. Well, and then Logan for the third one, of being, like, the best of each of the trilogy. Um, and it's impressive how much story they're able to fit in there. Yeah, I mean, they did so much. And one thing that I realized this time watching was how... X-Men as a franchise is just so rich with so many characters. Another thing I remember being like nerd angry about was uh, their lack of uh, use of Colossus. Colossus oh, is the guy yeah. with all the like metal garage door skin. Sure, with the American <laughs> accent. He looks more like, like Flash Thompson than anything else. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's one of the things. Like Colossus, firstly, uh, his name is Piotr... Um, Niklovic Rasputin, like the most Russian name I've ever heard of. Uh, and he has a very distinct accent um, yeah. in the comics and every piece of media. And he's just like, oh, uh, hey, guys, let me just uh, let me help you. Come on, kids. Let's uh, let's go get our hamburgers and uh, American flags. Like I, I, that, just just little small uh details i'm just like yeah dang it it's like look at my metal plating i'm built ford tough <laughs> uh but yeah. yeah the thing i was meaning to say when i brought up colossus was that like the x-men property i i get why fox has not let go this is like we are holding on to this we have mutants do you know how many mutants there are just in x-men we don't even have to go outside into any other marvel property we just have so many mutants that just like saying someone's name was giddy when uh 
when uh, Halle Berry of Storm came in, she's like, Jubilee? I'm like, Jubilee? She's not yeah. Jubilee? Oh. So Jubilee was one of my favorites in the animated series. Yeah. Because they kind of positioned her as like a main character in the series. Like I remember I had the book that was like, follow Jubilee through the mansion. Yes. And then she was in the deleted scene of the first movie. Mm-hmm. But then she's like in this second one. It only has like a line or two. But she has the earrings and they call her Jubilee. And so I was like, that is Jubilation Lee right yes. there in this movie. The whole time. They have tons of uh, like Easter eggs to stuff that I feel like in hindsight they wish they could undo to a certain extent. Like like Hank McCoy being in being on TV and not being Kelsey Grammer and uh, Grayson, that's part of his mutation. Um, Oh mutation that he turns into Kelsey Grammer, which you know, in my opinion, is a glow up. It really is. It's it's an upgrade. Um, but I still don't want to do with the toss salad and scrambled eggs. I'm turning blue. <laughs> think, uh, think. Man, that guy's had a lot of faces then. Hank McCoy, just uh, in general. Well, in, in the database that she goes through, uh, Remy LeVue was in there. Yeah. Um, kind of teasing like a Gambit thing. Which was also Shot- supposed to be uh, a deleted scene. Uh, they were supposed oh. to show like the worldwide impact. So it was going to have Gambit um, with uh, like basically... One of Hugh Jackman's stuntmen was just gonna dress up and Gambit cosplay and like see his like effects start to wave. He just loses a game of poker. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh no! What? If you if you can imagine like this movie, um, like X Men came out in the two thousand, um, mm-hmm. Spider Man came out uh two thousand two, and then we get X Men two or X two. Uh, State of the Union. Uh, it was like this movie was so good. I remember thinking, are they allowed to make movies this good? Especially with Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler was one of my favorite characters in yeah. the show and especially in the video game because he's like, he can teleport and he teleported so cool and he looked just like, like so awesome. So that whole opening fight scene, I'm just like, we have so much more movie to go. And if this is what they're starting out with, I'm on board. Like, I wouldn't yeah. say I saw this movie multiple times. I, f- I feel like I saw it multiple times, but it was hard for me to remember. Uh, ex- like, if you said, what's X2 about? I would have had a hard time. For some reason, I was blending it a lot with Last Stand stuff. Yeah. Um, And I was like, oh, okay. I guess I've just, I got them mixed up or I... I watched them back to back a lot, mm-hmm. um, kind of like how people blur a lot of stuff that happens in Back to the Future into different ones just because you watch them like as a set. Um, I'm pretty sure I saw this, even though it was 2003 and I was still in high school, I'm pretty sure I saw this at a midnight release, mm-hmm. um, which is always, it's, I don't know why I do that. It's hard for me to remember midnight release movies because I'm so stinking tired most <laughs> of the time. But uh, this movie, is, it's excellent. Like, I, I think of the original trilogy. Uh, oh, my gosh. It is. I'm not. I got nothing. Excellent. <laughs> oh, excellent. There it is. Uh, see, I had to say it twice because that makes it excellent two times. Um, but I I really liked watching this again. Um, there was a lot that, like I said, I didn't remember. Um what I do remember very clearly from my initial watching was uh, that it started in the White House because I thought that was super cool when I uh, watched it then and watched it now too because what a great way to show and not tell me 
the dangers that having mutants uh, in in the world could could cause. So if like if a mutant wanted to kill the president, it could happen, and this is how. And they show you that. Um, and I just thought that they like they bookend it really well by everyone teleporting in there at the end. Um, and I, I thought it just kind of instantly started with one of the highest stakes you could have of like, this is the national security problem. And it helps you understand the debate a little more too. Cause in the first one, they, they had this uh, like registration act that they were putting forward. And we're like, Oh, that, that seems kind of like, that's not right. And it's a whole civil war kind of debate. And then um, to start the second movie with this, you understand like, Oh, I can see how that would be concerning to a lot of people. Um, and yeah, I, I remember that very vividly and I thought they did an excellent job with that. I also remember all the Jason stuff um, of like it, his character was so creepy. I think it just burned itself into my brain. Um, and uh, I remember having a bad haircut uh, <laughs> specifically. Uh, but yeah, there, there were just like bits and pieces that I, w- I would pull out of this. Um, and I think also the fact that they're like ushering children out of captivity and things like that. I got, I get it mixed up a lot with X-Men Origins Wolverine. Yep. Uh, cause like, yep. Same thing. Okay. And Striker, which movie is this? Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, that, I think that was my initial impression. I'm glad that I rewatched it with Dark Phoenix coming out again because people were hyped about the Dark Phoenix storyline. Um, and when they tease that at the end of this and she goes full Super Saiyan and you see the shadow in the water, <laughs> yeah. people are like, oh, it's going to happen. Yeah. And then, and I'm sure in June when we talk about <laughs> Last Stand, just the the disappointment of uh, how that was handled and why Dark Phoenix is being remade. Uh, but this, this was the hope. This was the promise of X2 kind of teed it up. And people were, were real pumped about it. And it was exciting to watch again. Yeah, I think my biggest thing that I realized this time around was how, like, like this is a two and a half hour long movie. Uh, and some yeah. change with no after credit sequence, which felt just weird. It's just like, I don't know, there's a rock in my shoe. What, what, what's happening here? <laughs> um, but, like, the biggest thing I noticed is that, like, the X-Men movies are excellent um you're right grace there's just no other word for it yeah because the the pacing and the stakes and everything is so good and like they keep you on your toes like i figured out like pretty early on that like oh they're probably gonna like make cerebro he's gonna make cerebro and have like i knew what striker was going to do but that didn't diminish from like seeing how they were going to stop him um the thing though and i kind of mentioned this before with the whole like oh this is different than the source material i didn't give this x-men franchise this shot until in an interview they talked about this with the x-men origins uh or x-men first class kind of storyline where they said well if you read the comics they reboot the origins constantly like the storylines constantly change in the comics and i'm like oh you know what? You're right. Um, mm-hmm. So I think this is actually my first time really enjoying the world that they built up in, like basically the MCU. Because like, be- like pre MCU, you're kind of looking at these movies as like the definitive version, or like, and you're like, you're. I guess you're more uh, critical of it. 
Whereas with the MCU, they say, no, this is this cinematic universe. This exists in its own. And you're going to have some similarities and differences from the comics because we're building our own world here. And I yeah. think in a pre-MCU world, it was hard for especially like people like me who was so tied to what we saw before as like, you know, the comics say this. Why aren't you just bringing this comic to life? Like, why uh, is Wolverine a very tall Australian? <laughs> also a fun little thing. Uh, so I was watching this movie with my wife and when, when Wolverine like killed one of the people in the kitchen, she said, oh, oh, he, he like kills them. And I said, he has knives for hands. And she says, I don't know. I, I guess I just always thought he like, like scratched them or something. I'm like, no, no. no people, he, people die in this. He, yeah. He, he murders them. That's, that's his thing. Um, that's why I was impressed with this too, because even though Stryker gets mentioned in so many, and he appears in so many other films, like they kill him in this movie. And that very, I was very surprised by that because I was like, oh, I thought that he like goes on and is like the big bad forever. And I was like, oh, that's right. Those are all prequels. Yep. Um, and to have Magneto do it in that way and just be like, yeah, bad guy. Like, I'm going to kill the guy that's trying to stop me. Um, it, I, yeah, it, it felt like they weren't pulling punches, yeah. and uh, I appreciated that. And it wasn't like, oh, well, we're going to do a post-credit sequence where Stryker survived being chained, strangled, and flood, flooded to death, and all that. Flooded to death? Excuse me? Drown is the word in English. We have a word for it. That uh, he survived all that in like some post-credit sequence because we want to use him in a future movie. There was none of that. No. They're like, the only thing we're going to tease up is the Phoenix storyline, and we're going to address it in the next movie. And I appreciated that. I, I'm hoping that I'm able to give the same kind of like, oh, well, this is their version of what the Phoenix saga is when we review X3, as I was able to do with um, X-Men United, because I think when we are so beholden, like I we talked about this in our uh, one-off podcast talking about movie adaptations or books better than the movies kind of thing and how, you know, movies should exist as its own entity and its own medium outside of what the source material is. Like, sure, they should, yeah. like, adapt it, but that's the definition of an adaptation. You're taking it from one medium to another. Uh, but that, like, really helped me to enjoy this more because I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I remember being upset about Lady Deathstrike not having, like, any lines. Um, and I was like, yeah, don't they have this whole history? Why are they completely ignoring this? I'm like, because they can. Like, they're focusing on this other storyline right now. And, like, this is the main focus. And, you know, maybe if this were a series... You know, they'd focus different on different kind of relationships in different ways. but And I, I do appreciate that they were able to use movies like this to create that extended universe in a pre-MCU world. Like, it really says something that in these negotiations, people are like, well, are they going to keep what's already established? with like Because with Dark Phoenix coming out, that's the 10th core X-Men film and then you have the two and a half Deadpool movies on top of it mm -hmm. and it's like that's a huge chunk of content and so yeah people are wondering like are they going to completely recast redo everything to bring it into the MCU or are they going to try to find a way to connect to this and th that's a testament to the world that they've 
established. Um, but it was movies like this that allow them to do it, where they're like, we're not afraid of an ensemble piece. Uh, you're going to get basically equal time with your main characters and then be excited when you get Easter eggs for, for other characters that you happen to recognize, um, which is just a really nice way of uh, handling something huge like this. Because um, it almost had like, uh, and I, I say this with tons of caveats, but like almost had like an Infinity War feel with how spread out the different teams were. Yeah. It's not just like A story, B story, C story, and they're all just in different parts of the same building. It's like they are really spread out and some are existing like in their minds. And so, and so you have very different landscapes, which I think makes ensemble pieces with multiple interacting interconnected storylines really work of make it as different as possible in each story as as definitive uh and have like that main character leading that storyline and then when you merge them all together at the end is even more satisfying because you can think oh well look how far we came of I, I, I had such a different starting point, but we were still able to weave it all together. One of the mutants who I really thought was under seen, like even more than like Jubilee, uh, mm -hmm. was Headcanon. Headcanon. <laughs> yeah, it, he's he's exactly what he sounds. His mutant ability is his head is a giant cannon. Yeah. Um, it's freaky and distracting in class. Yeah, he, he can't pivot a lot. Um, yeah. he's not one of those like mystique mutants that can blend in. He's yeah. like a nightcrawler who wants to blend in, which was a devastatingly sad, so sad. scene. So sad. But anyway, we're talking about headcanon, uh, where we share a few oh, right. unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. Uh, my biggest piece of headcanon, um, is that all the kids, if you notice who were like kidnapped and put into the cells, none of them had any mutant ability that could get them out of that situation. Um, it almost felt yeah. like they didn't use any of their mutant abilities. Um, yeah. Like Jubilee, like I didn't see any sparks. I didn't see any fireworks. And so my biggest piece of headcanon is that all of these kids have really lame mutant abilities. <laughs> like that one like kid, lizard tongue? Yeah, like lizard tongue. It's just like, oh, you got a tongue? Oh, wow, that's a really interesting mutation. Uh, can, you, can you do anything like, like blast? lasers out of your eyes or like telepathy is like no it's just a tongue thing oh well what about you kid you can change like tv channels so maybe like change the radio channels and like let's fix like no it only works exclusively with tvs that i'm looking at okay uh who else we got yeah i can does he like lose his ability when we switch to widescreen like what's the the limit can't do 16 by 9 it okay. is only uhf signal <laughs> Was that a coax? Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to piggyback on that and uh, try to connect X-Men to more of the Marvel Universe and say that that little kid with the lizard tongue was actually a young Dr. Connors. That he Ooh. took the serum much earlier in this film timeline. Hey. And kind of switches back and forth. Kind of like how Beast uh, like injected himself and became with mystique blood, became blue, all that kind of thing. Um I didn't write that down. That's just a spur of the moment thing. Oh, good. Uh, my main headcanon was based on a close-up of Mystique, where I noticed that not only are does she have all the, the blue and the scales and stuff, but her the pupils in her eyes are kind of like 
they're they're messy. It's like a like a drop of paint almost. Yeah. Kind of like they're disintegrating a little bit. Like a Rorschach. Like a Rorschach. Yeah, exactly. So my headcanon, and I'm going to try to do this spoiler free. Uh, my headcanon is that Mystique is actually a rogue bird box monster. Um, if you think about it, because that is that is the reaction that people have when they look at it. Uh, like their eyes do that thing, but it's probably because her eyes are also like that. And she is a shapeshifter, just like the bird box monsters themselves. She has a shapeshifting ability. She's not invisible, but I think the invisibility is part of the shapeshifting and is kind of like an untapped power that she could go invisible if she wanted to. She would just be a, it'd be more like a camouflage with the environment. Hmm. Um, but yeah, her eyes made me think that she was a bird box monster. Um, and then my second uh, smaller headcanon is just that Nightcrawler and Daredevil go to the same church. <laughs> At very least, they're both Catholic. So yeah, uh, yeah, they maybe go- they would visit. They're like sister churches. Yeah, and maybe you know, crossing between the two of them, they have some kind of sister act. Who knows? Who there you go? Who knows? There you go. Now we're going to go into the part of the show where we like to talk about recast and remake. Recast for a remake. We're, Ricky, what are we going to do? Grayson, I don't know. It's been done. Are we, we going to do it a third done. time? So I, mean, I think we are. If this movie were to be made today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? Um, he, I, I'm going to take a risk, and some of this is informed by related advertisements on IMDb. We cast uh, John Krasinski as Cyclops. The seeing a lot of Jack Ryan ads. Um, <laughs> and I was saying this, I told this to my wife and she didn't see it. And I am like, I'm not, this is who Stryker looks just like Dave Ramsey. Uh, Stryker oh, wow. looks just like Dave Ramsey to he's me. He's going to get into acting. Yeah. He's going to get into acting. Um, he has that furrowed brow and people are talking about money stuff with him. I don't know. Look up Dave Ramsey and then look up the actor who plays Stryker in X2 and tell me you don't see the same difference. We're at Flashback Flicks. Uh, and because of, uh, you know, recent uh, casting that Kevin Smith has said, I'm going to use his uh, Tom Cruise as Wolverine. Uh, he said that Tom Cruise as Wolverine would make a billion dollars. And so I'm. What year was that said? Uh, that was I said mean, this week, would. Grayson. Oh, this week. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah. no, he still would. I mean, the Mission Impossible movies do crazy well. Yeah, and he just runs in a way that I think would be entertaining. I think it would be very entertaining to see that. Uh, yeah. And then, as Professor Xavier, Dwayne Johnson, I just oh. think that him and just like just the sheer like volume of him like his 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 mental capacity is represented by his physical capacity Um, got it yeah they're gonna need a bigger chair oh yeah 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 be like a throne (laughs) for mystique i would love to cast uh mocap suit andy circus i think he could do an amazing job um Mm -hmm. at just that full Full body makeup. Yeah. For Mystique, I would cast Peter Dinklage. Just do it the reverse of what they did in Days of Future Past. I like it. Yeah, there are so many people in this movie that you can't recast all of them. So I just took a handful. Um, So 
Uh, like Professor X, I don't remember what I said when we did X Men, so I just went with Brian Cranston. I think I might have said that <laughs> in the good. last That's one good. too. Um, and then for Magneto, Christopher Plummer. Ooh, um, man, he's good. Christopher Plummer's always been good. Uh, for Jean Grey, I had Jessica Chastain. I know she's going to be in Dark Phoenix, but I think she would have been good as as a full grown Jean Grey. Yeah. Um, and then for Cyclops, I had Zac Efron. Oh, nice. And then Stryker, I had Michael Stahlberg. He was in three Oscar-nominated films last year. He's one of those guys who are like, oh, that guy. Michael Stahlberg is one of my favorite working actors. Um, he was he plays the father in Call Me By Your Name. Um, I mean, he's in so much. Just look him up. Michael Stahlberg, uh, a serious man with the Coen brothers. He did that as well. He, he's more of a lead, uh, the lead in that that film. But I think he would have been a great striker. Um, for Storm, I had Tessa Thompson. Ooh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, she's got that intensity that I think Storm brings whenever she, she summons the storms. Um, that would be really good. And I just rewatched Ragnarok and got hyped on just her being in more stuff. And then for Nightcrawler, I had Jim Parsons. Oh, um, yes. But, you know, just totally change the character. Don't, don't make him from uh, from Germany and all that. Like, No, he's going to be from Texas. <laughs> and he's like, well, I was in the carnival. They call me Nightcrawler. <laughs> and they're like, shh. Well, uh, do you know he so. actually got that role uh, as Nightcrawler because he could speak German? He's just like, oh, yeah, I'm fluent oh, wow. in German. Well, your cast, he beat out Neil Patrick Harris because he was fluent in German. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he does a great job. Yeah. Uh, but if I had to recast it, Jim Parsons. And then uh, for Wolverine, I don't know. I don't remember what we came up with for Wolverine last time, but I feel pretty good about this recasting of Wolverine, okay. especially where the character is now. Um, and that's Andrew Lincoln from The Walking Dead. And um, he holds the what do you call it thing you do science fairs with the poster board he holds the poster boards in love actually oh um, i thought you were gonna say clay volcanoes <laughs> oh yes clay volcanoes from love actually. The vinegar and yeah. with the baking soda yeah uh no andrew lincoln from the walking dead yeah uh, i think would be a really great wolverine um he could do the accent he's another guy that has a different accent that could do uh this and he would have that he'd be able to carry himself in that older more mature uh way they got like the guy with the history who has like seen too much kind of thing yeah. so yeah that's who i had i think andrew lincoln would be a great wolverine and now we're going to go into our final segment where we give you our reasons to recommend so grayson why would you recommend x2 colon x gonna give it to you <laughs> So I'd recommend this movie because uh, it really was a defining X-Men movie that set up a lot of other storylines that allowed them to have the longevity of story that they've enjoyed. And when you look at superhero franchises, they really are defined by their sequels. You might have a really great origin story, a great first one, but it's this typically the second movie in a superhero story that really decides whether or not this is going to go on or if it's going to kind of die on the vine. Like you look at great ones like um, like Batman Begins was awesome. Dark Knight, though, was the defining movie of that trilogy. Um, and But then you look at some of the ones that didn't do so well, like Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four was a fine first movie, but the second one just it felt like they weren't taking it seriously in a lot of ways. And the audience responded to that. And... It gets stuck in this 
cycle of remakes. Um, so I think the strength of this movie, uh, it's worth checking out to see what about this movie made X-Men live on in a single universe for so long. Through all these reboots and spinoffs, they weren't like, we're going to start over. They really wanted to connect it to this reality that they set up in these movies, um, specifically in X2, which is where they kind of expand the history and where it could go and all that. For the most part, it stands alone and um, it's got a got a solid starting point and then it is able to conclude in a way that feels satisfying while still setting up for the uh, intended third movie with the the Phoenix story. And so if you're looking for like a core X-Men film, I recommend X2. Yeah. 2X, Too Furious. Very nice. Yeah, I'd recommend this movie especially if you haven't seen it since it was in theaters. Uh X2 was like the standard for like these comic book movies that were coming out earlier, um, like pre MCU. And it, it definitely has a different tone to it. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of people look at the superhero movies and, you know, you have, you know, good versus bad guy kind of thing, but the X-Men movies consistently do a really good job at pitting, um, like-minded individuals against ideology which i think is really interesting like them teaming up with magneto was a big thing it's just like wait magneto and and professor professor x teaming up like oh man things must be really bad and like i i i think that that kind of tension is very unique and i think it's all also points to like how good of a villain magneto is kind of thing it's just like he doesn't disagree with you mm-hmm. but he also is more killy in his methods um and so i i just think it's always uh interesting to watch those kinds of stories unfold and x2 does a really good job at setting up the franchise in such a way as to give you a full story without holding back like even though they're setting up uh the phoenix saga it doesn't feel like they're holding back the movie for you it's not like oh right. well wait till you see until we get to the phoenix like no, no no we we have like a good solid story here and also yeah. they're like also phoenix is getting started over here we'll get to that later but let's see if the x-men make it out of this it's such a well-paced movie and i think it really does hold up over time like x-men I think, especially in its uh, creation, kind of represent like any kind of under any kind of oppressed or underrepresented um, like group of people. Like this can represent so many people um, and so yeah. many things that are still happening today. Like I'm looking at this movie, I'm like. They made this in 2003 and every single thing that they're talking about, they could have they could make this exact movie today and people would resonate with it. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's really just a testament to the X-Men and how those characters uh, really do reflect our world uh, in a real way. So all those reasons. And that is our review of X2 colon. I'll be home for Xmas. Let us know what you remember about X2. Uh, 
on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are at Flashback Flicks. We would love to hear your thoughts over there. And it would mean a lot if you could leave us a rating and review on your podcasting platform of choice uh, on a scale of one to five X's. And I mean like the letter X, not uh, previous suitors. Uh, so on a scale of one to five, uh, you know, one X is good. Two yeah. is better. And five, you got yourself a, a, a soft reboot, maybe an a interconnected universe. Mm. Yeah. Three X's is like a, a jug of moonshine. So are we better or worse than a jug of moonshine? You decide. And we will be continuing sequel Larry, so make sure that you are tuning in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I spend my Valentine's days a quarter mile at a time. <laughs> We're reviewing Too Fast, Too Furious colon for your love i'm just picturing it on like one of those candy hearts like the number two fast two furious your candy hearts must be huge uh yeah i have a sugar problem i can't get enough of this stuff <laughs>